Hello and welcome to this fourth installment of our conversation with the Energy Guys. I'm Doug Luciani, President and CEO of the Traverse City Area Chamber of Commerce, and I have with me representatives of DTE Energy, Consumers Energy, and Cherryland Electric Cooperative. I'll let each of them introduce themselves. Start with you, Steve. Uh, I'm Steve Rawlings. I'm the Regional Manager for Corporate and Government Affairs for DTE Energy. I'm a lifelong resident of uh, Grand Traverse County, and I've uh, been with the company since the uh, late 90s. Uh, Doug DeYoung with Consumers Energy. I'm the Public Affairs Area Manager. I've been with the company for about 18 months now and a Traverse City resident most of my life. Tony Anderson, General Manager at Cherryland Electric Cooperative. Not a Traverse City or area resident for most of my life, but I've been around for 12 years and very happy to be here today. Great. So two Sparties, a Badger, and uh, <laughs> myself who really didn't have any dog in the hunt. So fire up chips. <laughs> Today we want to talk a little bit about uh, the governor's recent uh, speech about Michigan's energy future, and he really broke it down into four areas, adaptability, reliability, affordability, and environmentally protective um, policies from the state. So I wanted to go through that a little bit with you guys today, and um, let's start with adaptability. The governor and uh, most people believe that we must reduce our dependence on coal and that Michigan is one of the top 10 states in the country in terms of the dependence on coal and that we can do better. So uh, so in terms of reducing our dependence on coal, that's a pretty um, ambiguous statement, uh, and he left out a lot of details in his speech. Doug, let's start with you. What, what, what do you see as in terms of some of the issues in reducing our dependence on coal, and what, what's a time frame that you think is achievable? Well, the federal government has already put a timetable in for reduction of coal, and really that comes in two phases. First is the mercury standards reduction, which takes effect in 2016, and then secondly, our CO2 emissions reductions that, that start in 2020 and ramp up to 2025. With that, um, we are closing seven units uh, in, in our coal-generating uh, facilities across the state. It's about a 940-megawatt reduction in coal production in the state. Um, we're replacing that. Uh, we bought a current facility in Jackson, which is a natural gas facility. We're replacing that with 540 megawatts of power. And then we have some options to build Another natural gas facility, we have a permit that we're going to ask for an extension on um, and really look at opportunities to build another facility somewhere down the road as needed. So we are already seeing that reduction in coal starting in the Midwest, and that's just not here across the entire Midwest. We expect between now and 2020 another 60 to 80 plants to close. Uh, 60 to 80 plants? Well, units, which could be part of a plant, but a large load of, uh, of our power based on coal uh, will be reduced in that 60 to 80 units reduced over the next five to six years. Okay, so <clears throat> Tony, you were, uh, I think you were chairman of the Chamber's Board of Directors when we uh, came out and opposed pro Proposal 3, which was 25 by 25. Yeah. And Absolutely. the so that would have required 25 percent um, reduction 
25 percent of Michigan's power to be to come from clean energy by 2025, and the governor's proposed uh, 30 to 40 percent of our power needs coming from Michigan's cleanest sources by 2025. What does what do you think that means? When he says cleanest sources, that. I believe it to mean natural gas. Certainly, he's he's in favor of wind and renewables as well. But to to go that big and to keep the lights on twenty four seven, we, we got to be talking about natural gas. Uh, our cooperative is our power supplier is building a natural gas plant. That's the direction we're going. We're also uh, going deeper into wind. Uh, so when he says cleanest sources, uh, natural gas is not totally clean, but it is cleaner than coal. It's about 60% cleaner than coal. Uh, wind, obviously, is totally clean, but it doesn't blow 24-7. So, Steve, you want to weigh in? Because I know that uh, last time you were on here, you talked a little bit about a proposed solar uh, uh, power facility for DTE, and that that's since been shelved. That would seem to be have been one of our cleanest potential sources. Yes, certainly uh, solar power is clean power. Um, it too has um, its issues when it's dark outside. Um, it also is, we're experiencing not only the fact that it's one of the highest cost per kilowatt hour of, of um, installed generation, but uh, it's not quite as easy to place as we thought it would be, especially on the utility scale. There's lots of uh, local units of government and zoning that are involved, um, and that can be a bit tricky. That is also um, the case or becoming the case on the wind energy, coincidentally enough. Local zoning and local issues, uh, local control issues, uh, are creating problems for utility-scale wind development in Michigan. Um, so we're going to have to get creative, and we're going to have to find a way to please all 1,242 townships in Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, which each may have their own idea of what utility-scale wind should or shouldn't be. Yeah, we have a 150-megawatt wind project that is today on hold due to a moratorium in Huron County. You know, as we strive to go well over the 10% we're required, that's the issue is the townships right now. Well, that gets to uh, decision-making and who makes the decisions. And the governor said in his speech, and it's been reinforced by most of our legislators and, and by uh, several representatives of, of your co companies as well, that it's important to keep our decision-making in Michigan and not in Washington, D.C., so what does that mean in terms of decision-making in Michigan? Is that the same as important to generate our power in Michigan? Because otherwise, wouldn't somebody else be making decisions about our power? I don't believe it's the same. Uh, decision-making in, in Michigan, certainly it also has to do with energy, but I, I think the ability to buy power out of state is something that needs to be a Michigan decision, you know. We need to decide where is the best place to build our power and to buy our power from. A requirement to buy all our power from Michigan-made wind and Michigan-made solar, one, I don't think it's constitutional, and two, I don't think we can get to the numbers the governor wants if we do it all in Michigan. Well, I'd jump on that a little bit, too. Um, I think one of the narratives here that we see in the governor's message is there's flexibility built into a plan to get to a cleaner generation portfolio. 
And for all the reasons we just discussed, that's why it needs to be flexible. A hard and fast 25 by 25 you brought up earlier, that doesn't work well when you're dealing with all of these uh, variables and levels of control. We need the ability as a state to be flexible. We need to take an all approach, all or none approach. We need to take all of the above approach in terms of baseload generation um, and clean renewable generation where we can, and um, and then also natural gas, as Tony said. Uh, so we can't know what all of the limitations will be, or um, and we can't really understand ten years from now what uh, new technology will be uh, available to us. So we need to be flexible. We need to have a glide path to a cleaner, renewable, cleaner uh, generation, and more baseload, uh, we, we need to have a, an, an easy glide path to that. Yeah, I would agree. Flexibility, fair, affordable flexibility are, the I think, the key you heard from the governor, and we would support that too because you have to be flexible to understand what's affordable in, in what you can build in Michigan, what's affordable in what we can and, and reasonable to bring into Michigan, and how we generate our our own power for our customers and for our residents of the state. And I think that, you know, you the governor is saying we can control that flexibility, we can control that decision making, which Tony pointed out, and I think that's important for the state. We don't want to rely on outside influences and outside challenges changing what we can do here in Michigan. Well, and I misspoke. I didn't mean an easy glide path, and, and I totally agree with Doug. Affordability has to be front and center into this discussion. And so we need a glide path to a cleaner portfolio that takes into account the pillars that the governor, governor outlined, you know, affordability, reliability, and flexibility. And, and flexibility is the big key there. That's what we're really pushing in the co-op world because every utility is different. If I'm going to make my utility cleaner, it's probably going to be with wind and natural gas because I don't have the ability to reduce my residential usage because it's so low already. Whereas a utility like Light and Power that is 85% commercial, they have some massive opportunities for energy savings, which the Chamber's helping them with already, to save a lot of energy in the commercial sector, in the manufacturing sector that I don't have. Light and power can get to a cleaner portfolio with energy conservation, and my utility probably can't. So flexibility in any energy law is important. That's why that 25 by 25 number, setting that hard and fast, that doesn't give us the flexibility to do what we can do best based on our utilities' makeup. So how long does it take to get a new power plant um, permitted, financed, and built? Is, is, it, is it feasible that... That could be done in 10 years at the, with the levels the governor set at goals? Well, um, in my experience, uh, I, you know, when I started with the company, DTE Energy started the process of licensing uh, Fermi 3 nuclear plant. Um, and just before this meeting, I checked in to see if we had finally received that license because there's been a lot of activity. So, you know, 15, 18, 18 years later, it, it, we still don't have it. Um, the, I've not seen a coal plant built in Michigan in my adult life. Um, the natural gas plants, uh, they can go up fairly rapidly, but 
the problem we've seen in this industry is that when natural gas plants become in vogue, they're popular to everybody everywhere throughout the United States. And so suddenly you end up with these giant lead times for natural gas fired turbines. Um, then overlay the local zoning and local control and uh, permitting on that. And I think we're going to see expanded development times. Um, but certainly, I think if you put them in to a relative sense, natural gas would be one of the quicker ones in terms of a base load. Um, but doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be uh, what anybody expects. We're looking at uh, three years at the top end. We just started talking about a natural gas plant, a small one, a 400-megawatt natural gas plant by Gaylord that our power supplier is building, Wolverine Power. And they started that in 2015. We got our air permit just uh, this past Friday. And uh, we expect to be generating kilowatt hours out of that at some point in 2017. So... And, and I think it's important to note that, um, you know, I, if I'm correct, I mean, that plant was able to be placed on a natural gas infrastructure that's already there, correct, ready, and able to provide service to it. So that's something we have to look into as well in our state is there has to be a, a continued effort and focus on development and investment in our pipeline infrastructure as well. You know, the Nexus transmission line through southeast Michigan, we have to press forward with those developments if we're going to get to a cleaner energy portfolio. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go back to affordability. That's another sure. one that the governor mentioned is one of his four key areas to focus on. And of that 30 to 40 percent of our energy, um, of our power needs, he identifies a goal of 15 percent. So half of the, of the goal coming from energy efficiency and eliminating waste. Um, uh, and it wanted to implement policies that would assist the utilities in helping to eliminate energy waste in our homes and businesses. Uh, how, is that a realistic number? It, it does seem to me that there, that's the least controversial. I haven't heard anybody say that they would oppose energy efficiency and, and conservation. But it seems like a big number. Well, the, yeah. the cheapest kilowatt to produce is the one that you don't use or don't need. So, so um, we should not let anybody in Michigan so they burn more <laughs> kilowatt hours. Is what, that also, that's also anti-growth. But um, in fairness, um, I, I think it, it again points back to the flexibility. I think it's a stretch goal. Uh, but it's not something you can do a one-size-fits-all, as Tony uh, outlined earlier, his customer base is markedly different than Trevisy Light and Power, which is markedly different than consumers, which is markedly different than DTE Energy. So we each, I think, know uh, intuitively where we could start scratching at those savings and energy optimization. And so I applaud the governor for at least throwing out there a plan that would give us each the flexibility to do what's right for our customers. We agree with the governor. We, we believe there are opportunities to continue to reduce and create efficiencies for our customers. Uh, we're very heavily focused and very heavily promoting our energy efficiency programs and, and really working with our local commercial and industrial on how to reduce that load. It's, you know, the, the residential is still there. We still have residential opportunities as well. And I also agree with what Tony and, and Steve had said and the, the fact that we're all different. And that goes back to that flexibility that the companies have to have that flexibility because there are, 
are some goals that are um, more attainable than others for, for different providers. And you give them the flexibility to reach those and get to those goals, that the overall goal, then we're right in line with where we need to be as both company, state, customer, and residents. Help me put it, this in perspective. Uh, we're talking about um, by 2025, 15% of, of the energy needs for Michigan would come from energy that we save. How much energy is that? Boy, in, in numbers? Yeah. Is it, what's, that, what's that equivalent to? Would we? Is that the equivalent of closing a couple of power plants? Or? Well, I guess I could put it this way, and it's not going to be totally accurate, but in uh, 2014, our, we were required to save 1% of 2013's usage, 1% of the kilowatt hours we were supposed to reduce by. And, and we accomplished that goal. And when you add those numbers up, I think it came to about 450 homes we essentially took off the grid. So 1% of one year of sales was 450 homes I took off the grid. Um, so one and a half, I'm going to have to take six, 700 homes off my grid to get to that one and a half. Per year for 10 years. Yes, that, that gets you to 15%. And Doug mentioned commercial, Steve's mentioned commercial. There's a ton of savings there, and we've we've had that one percent goal for a number of years now, and we've met it. But my system is ninety five percent residential. I'm going to have a tough time meeting it on the backs of my residential usage, fifteen years or ten years into the future. So that's where I need the flexibility for me to reduce my residential usage by fifteen percent. I can't do it and keep my rates down because I don't have enough commercial to to get the savings from, and there's not enough skin on my residential to. Where are the big savings? Where, where are the big, the big swaths that could be cut to conserve parking more lot, energy? Parking lot lighting, variable speed motors, factory lighting. Um, yeah, the, the industrial, new technologies and the industrial investments, uh, new refrigeration uh, units, um, you know, even new heating and cooling units. Um, I was just telling Steve before I came in here, I had to replace my furnace this year because it was 22 years old and wasn't working well. And in February, I actually saved 24, 24% over last year's usage with my new furnace. And in March, I saved 30% over last year's usage with my new furnace. So right there, I'm already seeing a reduction in my usage and my bill. And so all of those things play into the overall reduction of need and use of, of energy in the state. So there's a, there is a perception that the utility, the utility companies themselves really aren't very excited about strategies to reduce the use. So efficiency uh, goals, you know, you're not making any money when people aren't buying your product. Well, I think... Uh, Th that's partially true, um, but we're if we're in a state of growth in our in our state, we're viewing it as this would be generation that we don't have to build. So there there is incentive there inherently to to do this. Um, we have uh, as well as Cherryland is probably way ahead of us, but um, DTE Energy has a very aggressive automated meter installation program where we have smart meters that we're putting out to all of our 
2.1 million electric customers and approximately 1.2 million gas customers. But on the electric side, we believe at some point those meters are going to give information to the consumers, to the customers, that will help them manage their load. So, for example, um, they may be able to uh, help with load management as well as become more aware of the amount of energy they're using in their homes and businesses, which the real ideas and the real savings will come from them, uh, not something that will be top-down pushed to them, but rather something that they come up with and make the intelligent decision to not use or to conserve. Yeah, and one of the key things the governor governor commented on was waste. He said energy waste. I, I don't believe he's against energy use, but let's just not waste it. And I think that's we've always tried to not to help our members not waste the the energy. So we're we're not against conservation at all because waste is the key word there. Would that imply investment in new transmission lines as well? Isn't there quite a bit of waste in the, in the transmission of the energy? Yeah, there's line losses, certainly, and, and we've done some of that. That's a complicated topic to get into. But, yeah, there's you can overload your power lines, and then you can have more waste than if they're bigger and built beefier and you have less waste. Yeah, and we, you know, we are aggressively investing in upgrades in our systems all the time. We have yearly plans for upgrades. We have upgrades going on right now here in northern Michigan on several of our lines and replacing older lines with newer, more efficient line to reduce some of that and to be more efficient and reliable for our customers. So it's all part of the overall plan. I think the governor also touched on meeting the challenges by taking advantage of emerging technologies. And I think Steve talked about this a little bit. You know, we're installing smart meters across the state on our our system. Um, what that will give starting in 2016 is the customers the ability to look at their own usage, the ability to set up their own um, schedule of when they see power. They'll see where their power costs them the most. If they decide to add something new to their house, uh, a pool, a hot tub, they can see how much that actually uses when they, when they run it and operate it. So it gives them the flexibility as a customer to decide how they want to use their power, when they want to use their power as well. We have no control over that. We're just still providing them power at the meter. They have that power. And the other new emerging technologies where, you know, the smart technologies where, you know, you hear about people setting their thermostats from their smartphones and adjusting, you know, lighting in their house. And so those emerging technologies are going to allow for um, customers to be able to really save and really look at ways to save themselves. And at the same time, the customers are using more energy. I talked about 450 homes coming off our grid. Well, that same year, our energy sales went up a percent and a half. So just because we're conserving doesn't mean we're driving down our, our sales to the point where we can't do business. Uh, we're, we're still growing. We're, we're meeting that 1% conservation, and, and we're still growing. Uh, the governor talked about um, more investments to keep our power grid and pipeline system working smoothly and safely and making changes to our electric market structure to ensure we never experience massive outages due to lack of supply. That's pretty vague. What does that mean? That means he'd like to see some uh, fairness adopted into the rules of the electric choice program. 
Right now, uh, Michigan has a, a hybrid deregulated market where 90% of the market is regulated and 10% is unregulated, at least with investor-owned utilities. Um, it really, in short, is a risk-free energy arbitrage for the very rich and sophisticated uh, energy user. Um, wait, 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 what, 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 <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I mean, some people are making money in choice and some aren't. And, yeah, and there's losers. Yeah, yeah. and the, the, the problem right now is that uh, it's the, the program, while not perfect, it's palatable because we have excess capacity in the state. But because of uh, the plan going forward and the closing of plants, we anticipate a shortage in capacity and the program that uh, Electric Choice represents now uh, will not work in a capacity shortfall state. Um, so there will be serious problems and consequences to reliability if we don't make those fixes now to that program. For example, um, you know, a, a large sophisticated company who's participating in Choice can go out into the market, buy power on the market, um, and hopefully save money from the utility. That's all fine, and you know nobody uh, nobody can fault them for wanting to save money. But the problem is when the market goes uh, crazy and chaotic and becomes volatile, they get to automatically just jump back to the um, regulated utility rate. Um, that regulate that regulated utility rate um, is there. Uh, for the benefit of the entire state and those people who are participating and choose to stay with the safety, reliability of the utilities. There's a small expense associated with that, but there's, uh, there's less risk and, and uh, less sleepless nights. Um, so having a, a, a few select chosen companies um, have the ability to uh, benefit from the open market, but when times get tough, just come back to the regulated rates. That's really unfair, and it could cause a, a, a capacity crunch uh, into the future when we start closing some of these plants. Is that a fair statement, yeah, Tony? Yeah, it is. We support choice. We're on opposite sides of choice, but fairness is something we need to put into the choice law, and I think the governor's trying to do that, You know, trying to make some of these companies who are coming in from out of state and, and taking com customers away from uh, my two uh, other utilities here, um, they need to have some capacity to back up those sales. So well, well, that is, skin that, in the game, I guess, is what it amounts to. We're letting carpetbaggers come in with no skin in the game and and take away some customers, you know, the choice that I support choice because my power supplier is in the choice market and they're backing it up with capacity and doing it the right way. Yeah, they, they have steel in the ground. Um, they have investments in Michigan. They have employees. They're generating power. So their book of business is based on physical assets. And what we're really talking about is those book of businesses that are just paper financial transactions that are feeding off of the open right. market and have no physical assets to back it up. That becomes a problem when we're in a capacity shortage situation. So and, that, and it's not fair to the residential customers who don't have choice and have to stay and support whatever utility they're with. That's market structure. But they also talk about more more investments to keep our power grid and pipeline system working smoothly and safely. Was he talking about... Uh, more investment by the state, or was he talking about more investment by the utilities or by everybody? And what does, what what kind of investments could the state make that would keep the 
power grid and pipeline system well, working? Well, there are several investments. You know, there's, uh, Stephen mentioned the pipeline in southeast Michigan to bring more natural gas into the state. That's a vital pipeline and a vital investment in bringing energy into the state. Um, we and our company, I talked about earlier, our investment in upgrading our substations, adding substations, um, and upgrade, you know, and upgrading our lines and upgrading the grid, um, you know, connectivity, having dual connectivity from our substations into communities. These are a couple of the things we're doing here in northern Michigan and across the state. And so those types of upgrades help uh, protect the integrity of the grid. And, and in terms of pipelines, help protect and bring in the natural gas that the state needs. We just finished a major gas uh, pipeline infrastructure upgrade in southwest Michigan last year. And, you know, that's, again, to bring that capacity in for our customers. Well, you know, I'd like to go on with this. I think we covered most of the high points. Um, we talked about the governor's plan and, and some of the things. It sounds like it's, it's, it's really focused on energy efficiency. It sounds like natural gas, which Michigan has a lot of and access to a lot of, is going to be a big part of that. Zoning is something that the state's going to have to at some point take on and, and uh, address, whether it's state zoning or, or uh, more aggressive work with local units of government. Uh, but it sounds like one of the big things we're looking here, two of the big things in the whole plan that we should all really keep our eye on are flexibility and fairness. Correct. Um, and affordability, which, I, which is, is a part of that. It's yes. a perfect summation. <clears throat> so, um, and that's good for any piece of legislation. Flexible and make it flexible and affordable. Flexible, affordable. And then, and then the, the last thing is that I want to just touch on is that it also it implies that we need as consumers to be better informed and make better choices. And that gets to the, the, smart, uh, the smart meters, uh, looking at how we can uh, make choices in our homes, working with our utilities on the programs that are available to us and being aware of the incentives that already uh, exist, and not just as residential but as, as, as industrial users as well. So some of that responsibility lies with us. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Look forward to it.